being an adult with undiagnosed ADHD is a funny time. And I'm not going to be one of those people who just sits there and diagnoses himself, right? Like, I'm not going to walk around going, oh, I have ADHD, so everybody treat me special. Like, I obviously passed tests in high school. Maybe could have done a little better. Probably could have done without Ritalin regardless anyway. But maybe a conversation about it would have been nice, right? You know, like. Oh, yeah. Like, I was definitely the kid drawing on his desk because he was bored in class because I already had paid attention to the piece of information that was presented to me. And then when they reviewed it, like, 15 times every class, I was like, I'm done. You know, and it's not because I was absorbing anything at, a, like, an exponential rate. It's just my attention span is done. I've, I've You told me the thing. I'm set. Move on. Let's go. You know, I actually I feel like a lot of people who end up being accelerated as kids do have ADHD, right? Or ADD, right? Yeah. And and so that focus or that need to shift focus ends up playing in their uh, favor. And so, like, as an adult now, I have a lot of instances with, like, ADHD during the day, but they mostly reflect in, like, a right brain creative way, you know? So I'm just driving down the highway and I'll have a random thought and then all of a sudden my brain's like, yeah, you can drive. You're fine. Like, let's just <laughs> let's travel with this thought now. Like, let's go where this thought's going. And I'm coming up from work this week because I've got a 40 minute commute both ways. So I'm coming up from work and Americade's happening this weekend. Big biker convention. And there's a sign that says watch out for motorcycles. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Share the road. OK, got it. Cool. And then there's a sign. And for some reason, they couldn't get, like, all signs that would fit it the right way or, like, they didn't want to continue it or whatever. I don't know. Whatever it was, the the town of Clifton Park's sign, as I'm coming up the highway, just reads, watch for my cycles. And my so cycles. in my brain, I'm like, watch for my cycles. Like, I just say it <laughs> like that. And then my brain goes, that's really funny. That's probably what, like, a crazy aunt would say if she was letting everybody know that she was about to have her period. And then in my brain, all of a sudden, I'm interacting with this character because I can't just stop there, right? So then in my brain, there's me. And I'm like, Aunt Sharon, you're crazy, and nobody needs to watch out for your cycles. That was nature's gift to you. You watch out for your cycles. And then Aunt Sharon, without missing a beat, because this is how my brain fucking works goes you can't spell menstruation without team kevin and i'm like damn it sharon that's a good point <laughs> and then ozzy osbourne comes out Sharon, Sharon. <laughs> and then ozzy osbourne's in my head and i'm driving up the highway and i'm having this conversation with fictional aunt sharon ozzy osbourne about the word team and how many words it's in <laughs> like that's the rabbit hole. You know, we All have right. actual music, right? You don't have to. I know. Ready? <laughs> I'm pumped now. Three, two, one. Yes. Did it. We clapped. <sighs> I'm going to just, uh, you know what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start like throwing in random clap tracks here and there. Just okay. to like, just like, just like you'll hear like a third clap, like a ghost clap. I don't know. <laughs> just another um, one. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Unpop Podcast. I am your captain, Kevin captain. Miner, 
He, him. <laughs> yeah, you called me the captain in our first episode. I'm taking it. It's a title. It's mine. Right. It's mine. It. With me as always, co-captain, co-pilot, co-host. Say your name. You say your name. You. I said my name. I said Kevin Miner, he, him. I'll say it again. All right, ready? <laughs> Hold on. This isn't going... Oh, all right, reverse it. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Unpop Podcast. I am your fearless Captain Kevin Miner, he, him. With me, as always, is my co-pilot, co-anchor, co-captain, co-host, co-everything. It's Odie Matthews, they, them. I just want to put on the record that I purposely didn't say anything the first time because I wanted to make you redo that. Why? I don't know. I just felt like You're being such a punk. I just felt like being, I felt like being a rascal. You're you are a rascal. You're <laughs> you're a rapscallion, sir. I'm self-branding you, myself. You are a rake of sorts, as it were, <laughs> one who appears well but does not do well. Anyway, uh, on this episode, Odie, what are we talking about today? Star Wars. No, that's oh. no, <laughs> no. Our favorite horror movies. No, we did we did that. Can't uh, cults? Are we talking about cults? We did cults. Uh, talking about stop Guardians just 3? listing the episodes we already did. We didn't do Guardians three, and you haven't seen it. I know you haven't seen it. I have not seen it. Yeah, I know we you are haven't talking, seen it. Today we are talking about Lord of the Rings. Yes, but we're talking about Lord of the Rings specifically in the. Or, or rather, through the lens that it is the quintessential fantasy epic, right? And we're also going to be breaking down the movie. So what I'm going to do right here, right now, is I'm going to put a very magical spoiler section. Very magical <laughs> spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Lord of the fucking Rings yet or heard about it from one of their friends or read the books or done anything related to it at all. I feel like at this point, if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, you're probably not going to. Yes, but just in case, spoilers. Look at all the spoilers. Because what, that came out like 20 years ago? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it came out 20 years ago, but then the original Hobbit book came out in 1937, baby. We're oh, yeah. talking almost over a century ago. And J.R.R. Tolkien started writing it well before the hobbit even came out and here's where we're gonna start are you ready odie are you ready for this journey yes did you get the voice memo that i sent you earlier this week where i was singing a song in the fashion mm -hmm. of the hobbit and i was oh, like yeah. get ready for the journey <laughs> <laughs> that was a yes. good song i made that up on the spot man you, yeah definitely i hope you appreciate the creativity and liveliness that i bring into your life on a weekly basis. Of course I do. Good, because you're shackled to it now for the rest of your life. You chose this. <laughs> the rest this, of my life? And here you are. Yeah, yeah. We're oh. talking straight up Stockholm Syndrome, baby. Speaking of, <laughs> Sweden is actually a place that highly influenced a lot of the fantasy landscape of Lord of the Rings. Okay, here we go. We're launching right into it. This is what I would like to call my hopefully under five-minute primer for Lord of the Rings, because in the very beginning of the movie, do you remember the beginning of the Lord of the Rings? There's a uh, Galadriel starts talking and she starts like explaining the story. Is she an elf? Yeah. She make cookies? No. Okay. She does not I make mean, cookies. She deliver presents? No. Okay. So she's it's one of the elves Kate the Blanchett and she's narrating an epic tale. 
And she's got a bow? No. And Lego feet, Lego feet is there? She's an Elvis councilwoman and also a, a giant player in the Lord of the Rings. Anyway, so <laughs> she starts explaining the the quintessential story that you need to know to watch everything that's coming up, right? But all that that preamble is nothing. It's nothing, baby. I'm telling you right now, Odie. Okay. Because. And, the, and are you ready for the five minute under five minute primer? Dude, should I time you? Do yeah. That's what okay. I'm asking. Is if you're ready oh, to okay. time oh, me. Oh, 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 oh. Then I am. Yes, I am ready. Let's okay, go. cool. So, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien actually wrote a huge bit of world building before he wrote anything else. And The Hobbit was actually the first book that got published. J.R.R. Tolkien was a huge fan of philology, languages. He learned Latin at a young age. He was really into inventing his own languages, right? Mm. So he's the type of person who his brain is, I'm going to say my brain, rather, let me put it this way. My brain is kind of like his. So I actually oh, so you're like. you're saying you're like J.R.R. Tolkien? Absolutely. Is that what you're saying, Kevin? I like him, <laughs> yeah, making up made up characters and then interacting with them in my mind and building worlds around them. Absolutely. Yes, I do that. Okay. And he did that too. But so the way that he ended up building it was he, he went on like this really great, uh, it, uh, let's call it a walkabout, right? He was with a group of about 12 and they went through Sweden and it was really scenic. And he actually remarked upon like not wanting to leave and missing the views and a lot of stuff that happened on that. Meanwhile, he's like making up his own languages as a kid. He made up at least two as a young child. He got into studying languages and he starts crafting this into a sense of world building. He also is a Christian and he's a good friend of C.S. Lewis, who is a famous Catholic. So I think he was Catholic. Line the Witch in the anyway. Wardrobe. Yes. So both of these guys, epic fantasy writers, right? They're both good friends. Now. J.R.R. Tolkien, while he's doing his world building, it's greatly influenced by his life and his love of like Feywild stories and legends and things like that. He ends up building an entire, I, I'm going to call it a plane of existence because it's not a universe in the sense that we know a universe, right? Here's how it breaks down. So you got a supreme being, right? You have an entire cosmological structure and it starts with the supreme being. Sounds pretty Catholic or Christian, right? Of course. Okay, cool. Uh, but here's where it's a little bit different. He's not a fan of analogy. So although there are a lot of things in his stories that sound like analogy, they're actually not analog, right? They're not something that directly relates to the world, but they're influenced by the things that he knew, right? What you know, right? Okay. Okay. So Eru Iluvatar, who I like to call Big Song Daddy, is the creator of the world of Lord of the Rings. Now but the he's world. Like the God. Of it, yeah, he's he's like wait, what, big. The god, wait, there's an actual no. god like that gets yes. named. Yes, his name is Eru Iluvatar. Oh. All of this is in the Silmarillion, and I'll get to that in just a second. So Eru Iluvatar, I call him Big Song Daddy. He's everything and nothing at the same time. He's basically what we would call the noumenon and the phenomenon and the impetus of existence and the infinite and finite. Right? He's everything all at once. He's the beginning of time. He's the end of time. He's the dude. So he decides. In the Timeless Halls, which is a place that they call it, it's and this is all metaphor because you have to understand that he's like building the structure of how things are framed in the world within which he's building. So that it's like a meta structure. So 
he ends up Eru Luvatar. He's like, all right, cool. I like being like everything and nothing at the same time. But why don't I just like make other things? Right. So he decides he's going to make some things while he's in this place called the Timeless Halls, or at least it's framed as the Timeless Halls. He ends up making the Ainur. Now, the Ainur are, let's call them like for our sake, even though they're not direct analogies, angels. The Ainur are <laughs> composed of two classes of like they're basically demigods. They're not like full-fledged, like same power as Eru Luvatar, but they're demigods uh, as far as we would know them. And you'll notice there's a lot of like Greek and Norse mm. I was um, going to say, this sounds like a Greek thing. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some Greek and Norse influence, and that's why they're not direct analogies. So he makes the Ainur, and they're composed of the Valar and the Maiar. And the Valar are like the more powerful ones, and the Maiar are the lesser powerful ones. And that's all you need to know for now. And then I'm going to lay out all of the things that you actually need to know for Lord of the Rings and nothing else, because that's all we want to cover today. So the two strongest Valar are two dudes named Manwe and Melkor. Guess which one turns evil? Their names are Manwe and Melkor. Odie, which one hmm. turns evil? Is it Manwe or is it Melkor? Okay. Which one sounds evil to you? Anakin Skywalker. You're not playing the game correctly. This I'm, isn't the Star I Wars could, episode. <laughs> which one turns this, evil, Odie? I've created this character, person who knows nothing about Lord of the Rings and doesn't understand it. And I'm going to guess Melkor. You're 100% correct because it sounds like it would turn evil. Remember I said mm -hmm. J.R.R. Tolkien loved languages? Okay, so anyway, yes. Melkor is basically the strongest of all of them and the most favored of Eru Iluvatar. Sounds similar to someone else that we might know from Christian theology? Yeah. Uh, so Melkor, he eventually, like, as as Eru Iluvatar creates the Valar and the Meyer, he's like, hey, we're all going to sing a song, and this is why I call him Big Song Daddy. <laughs> and he's like... This is the song of creation. We're going to create a whole world, guys. It's going to be a whole thing. Like, and he sets out and he starts singing the song with a theme, right? So Iluvatar has his own theme. And then Melkor, while they're all singing, he's like, hey, I'm pretty ambitious. I bet I could do better than dad. And he starts making what's called Discord. Mm. So Melkor <laughs> essentially starts making his own theme. And in my mind, it's like this. Imagine that, like, Eru Iluvatar is basically Freddie Mercury, right? Big song daddy. And he's singing his Bohemian Rhapsody. And Melkor comes in, and he's, like, the crazy middle section of Bohemian Rhapsody. All of a sudden, he's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. And, like, all the crazy shit starts happening. So he has this other theme that he's trying to, like, suffuse into and either overpower the theme of Eru Iluvatar. And then other Valar and Maiar start, like, combating him. So there's, like, these dueling songs going on, right? And Melkor's basically doing, like, the metal remix of everything. And then a third theme ends up weaving itself into that, and that's the theme of Elves and Men. So Elves and Men, congrats. You're part of the beginning of the universe. You guys are the bomb, right? Two <laughs> types. Um, so then the song stops, and Eru Luvatar's like, yo, Melkor, my boy, my son, why did you do that? Anything that you do is basically going to be a cheap imitation of what I do. And then what comes from that and its interaction with my creation is only going to make my creation greater. Like, it's only going to make greater things than what you could ever even attempt to create. You're just an imitation. And Melkor's <laughs> like, man, I'm pretty pissed, right? Uh, so then 
Arrow Louvertar is like, all right, cool. I scolded my son who was weaving discord and disharmony into the universe and its creation. But look, hey, we made a cool thing. We're going to call it Aya, which basically means the world of all that is. Uh, so that's the world and plane of existence on which Lord of the Rings takes place. Aya is home to Arda, which is the giant continent of, like, which is the giant, like, planet. I, It's not really a planet. I don't know. It, it's, anyway. So, Wouldn't it be technically a planet still? I, I mean, yeah, well, let's just let's just say Aya is the world of all that is. Arda's on there. Middle Earth is part of that. There's a place to the east that nobody ever seems to talk about and no one ever like really goes, I guess, like except for a few guys. But we don't need to talk about it because it's not in Lord of the Rings. And then there's a place to the west that's called Valinor. But we'll get there. So there's a big war because Eru Iluvatar is like, hey, all of you Valar and Maiar, or all, yeah, all you guys who are part of the Ainur, Go down and, like, oversee the creation of the world if you want. And Melkor goes down and he's like, yeah, I'm going to F up the creation of this world. <laughs> he's basically just, like, it's super ambitious, super proud, and he thinks his ideas are better than everyone else's. So they all have a big battle. Melkor basically – well, they have a bunch of wars. Melkor convinces some of the Maiar to side with him, and they become Balrogs. Sound familiar? Balrog? Yeah. Isn't that the – that comes up later that's, in the film. That's in Lord of the Rings, right? It is in Lord of the Rings. Good job. Look at me. So they have a big war. Eventually, Melkor kind of gets, like, driven off, right? And uh, then the the Valar and Maiar who are left have what's called the Spring of Arda. And then Melkor shows up and, like, well, during the Spring of Arda, they make a bunch of, like, stuff. And they make lamps, like these lamps that represent the sun and the moon. And then Melkor does this surprise war and he comes back. And he's got, like, a bunch of Balrogs and stuff with him, and he breaks the lamps. And then the Valar leave because they're like, well, screw this place because it's in darkness now. And they build Valinor. And they're basically, like, cursing the land to the west, which ends up being Middle-earth. And they're like, yeah, this isn't, like, really that cool. But what ends up happening is the elves are eventually born in this time. And Melkor's like, hey, what are those guys? I want to make a version of them. And that's where orcs come from. And then, mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then somewhere in this time, he corrupts a, like, young Maiar named uh, Myron. And Myron only keeps one part of his name when he becomes another thing. And we'll get to that. So the Valar end up waging... I wonder what it is. Yeah. So the Valar end up coming back and they wage war against Melkor because they're like, yo, he's going to mess up all the elves. And then they chain him and toss him into the halls of Mondos for three ages, which is basically like... um, What's the the detention zone from Superman or like whatever the heck you know oh, like the, the quantum realm? Whatever it is, no, they basically what, uh, toss him into zone. like yeah whatever it is they they toss him into like a a detention zone like for three Prison. let's say three thousand years roughly right and then um then Manway is like all right cool we can let him out after three ages as long as he forgives as as long as he says like he's sorry we can forgive him right Manway is like the other son of Eru Iluvatar. So there was Manwe and Melkor. Manwe is like the good son. Uh, and Manwe is like, yeah, we can forgive him. We'll turn the other cheek. Sound familiar? And then Melkor is basically like, yeah, sure, whatever. Sorry. So they let him out. And then he spreads a bunch of lies and stuff amongst the elves. Who would have thought? And he recruits a giant effing spider. See, now what they did on Valinor is they created these two things that were kind of like the lamps, but they were better. They were these two trees. And then... Uh, Melkor comes with a giant spider named Ungoliant, which is like one of my favorite things in all of the mythos. And Ungoliant 
And Melkor drained the light from the trees to try to, like, plunge that place into darkness for forever, right? He seems like a real bad dude. He just sucks. Like, they're like, here's another chance. And he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go drain the light from your trees. Uh, which ends up, that's like the first scene of the Rings of Power, if you watch that show. So anyway, uh, then there's like, so for all of this, there's like a very important elf that we don't really need to talk about because he's not like directly covered. Legacy. Uh, named, no, his name's Feanor. And Feanor decides, he's like, you know what, Melkor? You're so bad, I'm going to give you another name. I'm going to give you a name that sums up how bad and evil and dark you are and like your your whole entire energy. And you know what he names him? Sauron. No, he names him Morgoth. <laughs> Morgoth? He calls him Morgoth. Yeah. Morgoth? Yeah, his name's Morgoth. Which he should have been less goth. Am I he right? was less goth before, and now he's Morgoth. That's so anyway. An interesting uh, name choice. Everybody in the world, including Melkor, is basically like, yeah, that suits. Uh, so then eventually Morgoth, <laughs> and then he's called Morgoth just from that point forward. So Morgoth okay. eventually gets defeated and he gets thrust through the doors of night, which is like another type of a detention zone, but it's basically outside of the universe. Right. So like, he's really outside of the universe this time outside of AF, uh, supposedly for good until the end of the world comes. And there's a giant battle called Dagger Daggerath, which kind of sounds like Ragnarok, which is basically what it is. It's what? Are any of these characters, like Malkor and stuff, are they in the Rings of Power show? Because I've not seen it. No. Have you seen it? No. I have seen it, and no. Uh, but all of this will come back in Lord of the Rings. All the stuff I'm at least mentioning right now. This is my primer. So Dagger Daggerath is going to happen at the end of the world, and then uh, Mel Morgoth is basically going to come back, have a big battle, and then be slain by some dude named Turin. So... That was 13 minutes, so just Damn a little it. over. Just a little over. <laughs> just a little over. I did everything <laughs> I could. 12 minutes and 58 seconds, but hey, no <sighs> one's counting. Except it's for me, a lot, me man. Too. Okay. Uh, so Listen, so my question is, because I have my one question off the rip. Yeah, hit me. So where, timeline-wise, just tell me where, like, Rings of Power, right? Okay, that I got show you. takes place before Fellowship of the Ring. Well before, so here's what here's where we're at. Uh, okay. Elves are essentially immortal. So if there's yes. any elf that's a character in all the things, don't even worry about it. Because Elrond, who comes up in Lord of the Rings, is He's in the in Hobbit. Rings of Power. He's actually the only character that ties the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings together. But we'll touch on that in a bit. Um, and. He's also in the Rings of Power. Yes, he was there for the creation of the rings. He actually has, like, a personal grudge against Sauron. So, mm. yeah, which is really cool because he's one of the first people that you see in Lord of the Rings, even during that first intro. Like, they show yeah. him specifically in a line of elves ready to fight Sauron. Um, so Sauron ends up coming into the picture because his name was originally Mehron, right? Mehron becomes Sauron. And after Morgoth gets thrust through the doors of night, Sauron's like, man, I've been really influenced by this guy. So I'm definitely going to like continue to F shit up in his name. Like I'm going to be the source <laughs> of evil in the universe now because there's, which is it, it seems linear that these characters would always be evil, but you have to understand that Tolkien did such a good job building his entire universe that the thing that created evil can manifest. So, like, the fact that it can manifest and the fact that it can influence and corrupt other things ends up setting other things up to manifest in its place. 
So when so is is this is Sauron in Rings of Power? Yes. Is is he a person? Yes. Should I watch this show? <laughs> yes. Okay, because I'm not gonna lie, Lord of the Rings. I don't know a lot about it. I've only seen the first three movies, maybe once or twice, and okay. I saw the Hobbit movies in theaters. Okay. So I don't know a lot about Lord of the Rings. So the character okay. I created is based on actual events. Because, yes. uh, yeah, it's not a franchise I know a ton about. So that's why I have questions. Kevin. Okay. Well, here's a couple other things that I want to lay down before we get into, like, covering the plot of the Lord of the Rings. Okay? Okay. This is way over 13 minutes now. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, stopped count- so, I stopped counting. <laughs> anyway, there's some – so. There's a few other beings that inhabit Middle-earth that really, like, don't get touched on as to, like, how they came into existence. But we should probably go over it. So the dwarves, mm. right? There's dwarves. Uh, the yes. dwarves were made by Aule. Aule was a, a Valar. Yeah, he was a member of the Valar. And he was, like, the guy who's all about, like, smithing, right? Like, he's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm going to make stuff. So mm. while... They were waiting while the Ainur, like the Valar and the Maiar, are waiting for elves and men to come around. Um, Aule is, like, getting really impatient. And he's like, man, I just want to have, like, some cool stuff to love. So he ends up making the dwarves. And they're pretty much tied to his existence. And they're, like, not exactly everything he hoped for. Because he was like, he was like, oh, what did those elves look like? Like, he's like, what were they supposed to look like again? And then he thinks that he knows how to make elves. And he basically goes like... And, like, the dwarves <laughs> get created, right? Which makes sense because they have, like, a little bit longer ears, but also, like, definitely not elves, way shorter, stockier. Just like, a little shorter. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And because they're made by Aule, they love crafting things as well. Hmm. So Eru Iluvatar comes along, and he's basically like, he's like, listen, you know, Melkor was already sewing his own themes into the song of the universe. Now you're trying to create your own stuff. I'm probably going to have to, like, get rid of these things and wipe them from existence. And uh, Aule is just like, listen, dad, Eru Luvatar, big guy. I only made them because I don't want to just love myself. I want something else to love. I created them so that we could have something else to love on this like planet while we're waiting for other things to come about, you know? And, um, and Eru Luvatar is like, you know what? You had good intentions. I'm going to let them stay. <laughs> so he lets them stay. Then, okay. uh, hobbits. Mm. Here's what I love about the the mythos of the Lord of the Rings. Hobbits just show up one day. Nobody knows where they came from. <laughs> they Are they like just a mixture of like dwarves and humans. Here's here's my theory. So the hobbits came along because they like they they were always part of the universe, but their theme was so subtle that it just kind of wove its way in without anyone noticing. And that's kind of the cool thing about Tolkien's universe is Eru Iluvatar, when, like, there are some things that happen as the world's being created where he's like, he's like, huh, I didn't see that coming. Which is cool because he's, like, flawed as as a being. Because if you're going to be everything, you're also going to be the concept of mistakes. So you're not going to be perfect. So I love that, like, built into it without saying it overtly, the god of everything and all existence and like whatever is also imperfect. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Then 
two more things that need to be touched on. One, we got to touch on Eagles because everyone's always oh, yeah. talking about why didn't they just fly with the fucking Eagles, right? Here's the thing. The Eagles were created to basically just keep elves and men in check. That's it. They were they were made to just watch over and make sure shit didn't get out of hand as far as like chopping down forests, like dwarves, things like that. So the eagles are like they're kind of there as like nature's protectors. And they're these mm. regal beings that can oversee the land. So like calling on them for a favor is basically calling on them to do something that's outside their purpose anyway, which is like pretty fucking huge. And you try not to do it. Okay? So the fact that they even gave them a ride at all was massive yeah so there's two more beings oh well okay one more thing orcs uh so orcs the original like where they kind of came from they're called uruk high and the uruk high are like in our minds they're like the best version of the orcs but orcs come from that terminology itself uh orcs were essentially in tolkien's mind when he was writing these books they were just big goblins that's it so it's not like they're anything super different. Orcs and goblins, same place. Goblins are smaller. Orcs are bigger. That was kind of his only distinction. We have a lot more that goes into that now. Like we've added and expounded and built upon this. And that's what's really cool about the Lord of the Rings is it is like the quintessential world building fantasy like uh, like go to. Like Tolkien did such a good job yes. world building that we now can look at what happened, build upon it, and add to it, and make our own things. Um, oh, that's what I think. I feel like, and I could be wrong. Yeah. But I feel like Tolkien probably was the one to really lay the groundwork for people like the creators of, you know, like George Lucas and yes. Star Trek and uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Even I mean, those of all Dungeons and Dragons definitely has to have some inspiration from yes, Lord of the Rings, right? Like I mean, oh, big time. Because we just recently watched the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which I told you about, and then I told mm -hmm. my other friend to watch it. And that movie, listen, if that is a if you're like, oh, I like, I want to get into swords and shields and epics. If you want to watch Lord of the Rings, but you don't want to jump right into something that massive, watch Dungeons and Dragons first. A hundred percent. It is. It is the. It's fun. It is the. It's the. The training level before you get to Lord of the Rings. It is the tutorial of the video game. It is such yes. a good movie, and it's fun and it's light. And then Lord of the Rings is fun and not so light <laughs> no it's not but here's where so we can we can get into the lord of the rings now there's two other characters and i'll mention them as they come up um but in lord of the rings peter jackson did such a good job just laying out the base tale in the beginning like saying hey there are these rings that were created this is Lord of the Rings. So, like, the first thing that's talked about in the movie, and great job, he basically prefaces mm. everything with the story of the rings. Now, the rings were crafted by Celebrimbor, who was a master elf crafter who worked with the dwarves to make the rings. Celebrimbor was tricked into making the rings a specific way by Sauron. Sauron basically shows up as this guy, and he calls himself An uh, not An is it Anatar? Yeah, I think it's Anatar. The Lord of Gifts. He's basically like, hey, what's up? I'm the Lord of Gifts. I'm going to show you how to make some cool rings, bro. And like, Celebrimbor is like, oh, yeah, dude, I'd love to make some rings. That sounds really cool. And then they're like, yeah, let's go make some rings. So they make a bunch of rings and they give them to the elves and the dwarves and men. And then 
Kel- uh, Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, basically go. He's like, all right, cool, great job. I'm going to just go over here toward Mount Doom now and hang out. <laughs> and Calibrimbor is like, way. yeah. And Calibrimbor is like, wow, yeah, that sounds super sweet, bro. You have a good time. And then he goes away and he like makes the Ring of Power and he starts influencing and corrupting things. Now this is like, it's a development upon Morgoth's. Uh, wishes right so Morgoth was kind of like an overt evil he was always like fighting things he was always waging war he wasn't getting super like tricky until he snuck in to like drain the trees of their light with Ungoliant that's the first time he was ever like really like super sneaky right and then Sauron kind of like takes that lesson like learns more from it and he's like all right cool there's a prophecy that morgoth is going to come back if i can help that prophecy i'm going to be his number one guy so i'm going to be evil incarnate on this planet i'm going to corrupt things i'm going to influence it so when sauron's influencing things it's basically with the same type of influence that morgoth had so so sauron right and let me and this is not me trying to make it about star wars let me just see if i can kind of like put this in a way that makes sense he's kind of like the number two Sith serving, he wants to serve somebody of higher power to be their right-hand man. Yes. So, like, what Sauron is doing is in the name of somebody else almost? Oh, yeah, it's 100%. Like, oh. Sauron Sauron loves power and order, but also was a student of Aule, who made the dwarves. So, like, he's a student of a guy who's all about, like, craftsmanship and artisanship, and then he was corrupted by Melkor, Morgoth, and so ever since then, he's just had that influence, like, working on him, and then he uses that to influence other things in the world. See, okay. this is like – so Lord of the Rings is kind of like a story about the influence of demigods upon the realm of humans, right? So at the time period of Rings of Power, where the second is, age. Where is – so Morgoth is still in prison? He's gone. He's gone, yeah. He got imprisoned in the first age. He's like he's, – he's gone, gone. So then um, he's still imprisoned during, like, Fellowship of the Ring? He is outside of the realm of existence. He's outside of Ea, right? But his mm-hmm. influence is still present in the form of Sauron. Sauron basically picks back? up his mantle. No, he's going to come back at the end of the world. But he'll never come back in, like, Lord of the Rings or anything like that. Oh, so he's gone. Yeah, he's gone, gone. Until the end of the oh. world. Until Ragnarok. Until Dagger Daggereth. This feels a lot of Book of Revelation and a lot of Greek yeah. mythology, like Lord of this. Like when you're talking about the guy that yes. made the doors, all I can think of like was Hephaestus and like the Lord of Gifts, like Dionys- Dionys- Dionysus, Dionysus. Anyways, you know, Dionysus. Yeah, Dionysus. All um, I can think of, yeah. It, yeah. So like, what I would say to that is, you know, Tolkien super influenced by everything in his life. I mean, even even spiders in that world are influenced by. Like the story that he he was bit by um, he was bit by a baboon spider. He was actually born in South Africa, um, oh, yeah. and he was bit by a baboon spider, and that kind of informed how evil he made spiders in his world. I mean, I I hate spiders, so good on him. Yeah, um, so I think we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at the cast list for the Rings of Power. And I don't recognize any of these people or their characters. Uh, so they must have used a bunch of like unknown you actors. You might recognize Lee Pace. Oh, I fucking love Lee Pace. I don't okay. see him on here. 
Isn't he's, he the uh, he's the king of the elves, isn't he? Uh I recognize like there's some people down here that have like one episode like Will Keen, the uh, yep. uh, he's the dad of Daphne Keen who was X23 in Logan. Like I recognize him. He's also in uh His Dark Materials, which is a great TV show. Yep. But yeah, I don't see Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. recognize a lot of these people. We're not going to talk I'm... about Rings of Power though, cuz Rings of Power is way before Lord of the Rings, right? It's second okay. age, right? So the second age doesn't even like have an influence on what's going on in Lord of the Rings. Lord of the it Rings takes place no. Well, it does, but like Lord of the Rings takes place during the third age, right? So the second age kind of ends with the giant battle and that scene in the beginning, there's like the big like, you know, uh Isildur oh, yeah. cuts off the ring from Sauron's mm-hmm. hand. And like in the beginning, what's really cool is you see Sauron show up on the battlefield, right? And it's done really well because they don't go like they don't point at him and go, oh, my God, that's Sauron. He's like a demigod. Right. Even though he is. He's a demigod. He's a Maiar. So like him showing up on the battlefield to turn the tide of a battle is a huge fucking thing. You know, like, why would you risk it as a demigod? Like, it's not like you can't be like killed because he well, he can he can be like he could essentially be exiled. Right which we'll cover later, but he, he could also come back as long as he's not thrown out of existence entirely or like shackled in a detention realm. So Sauron showing up though is a big risk. Like he had not shown up on the battlefield until that point. And then he shows up and he's like, I got my ring of power. I got my giant mace. I'm going to F everybody up. And he starts just hitting people. And you see those big strokes and like flashes of light coming from his mace. And that's the power of a demigod, just blasting people away from him. And everything seems lost due to this one dude showing up. And like, then this like human who he's like, Oh, you're fucking done for just, I'm going to take you out right now. (laughs) The human like just takes a whack, like a lucky whack with a sword and cuts the ring off. And then he's like, cool. We defeated all evil. And of course a human would be like, we defeated all evil. We're safe now. And he rides off with the fucking ring around his neck. And then, uh, Elrond, who's the elf who's like been present through all of this because elves basically existed in like the garden of Eden, like Valinor where the elves are from is like the garden of Eden. Like makes sense. It's amazing. They were on middle earth. And then a lot of them went over to the garden of Eden. They've ended up back on middle earth. Like there's a lot going on there, but ultimately Elrond's like, Hey, toss that ring into Mount doom. And the human turns around and is like, nah, yeah, we, we defeated evil. I'm good. I'm going to be influenced by this ring and the whispers that came into my brain. I mean, that's not what he says, but basically the rings like the ring has a corrupting influence because it's a piece of Sauron. Basically. Let me ask you this then for people that don't know, like myself, the show is called rings of power. I'm not talking about the show, but there's clearly more than one ring, right? Yes. There's many. So, okay. When the ring was created, Sauron created it. But how did he give it powers? Like, how did how does it how does so, it make you invisible and hear weird voices? Sauron is a demigod, so yes. he cre he he influenced Celebrimbor, who was so proud of being able to make things and so excited to make these rings that would like he was lied to. Like Sauron's basically uh, like, hey, make these rings and give them to the dwarves and the elves and the men. Like, give them 
Give them to them. They're gifts, man. They're going to make the world a better place. And then Sauron's like, yes. And now I will go craft the wit, the ring that will influence and corrupt them. And so Sauron, the mm. entire time, is trying to corrupt the world through these, like, seditious means, right? He's going, he's going about it all, like, subversively. That's what he really wants. He wants to subvert everything and bring back Morgoth and take over and hopefully, like, not lose in the Battle of Dagger Daggerith, which is Ragnarok, right? So Sauron makes the rings. He eventually loses it, but he's not gone for good. Sauron's known as being, like, a necromancer. He's basically, like, uh, he's kind of a wraith in his own right, but he's a demigod. So to call him a wraith is, like, it's too... It, it would be too much like of a diminishment, right? You know, he actually has a place in the universe. Um, so at the time that Lord of the Rings starts, we have like the Hobbit has already happened. The adventures of the Hobbit. Do I need to cover mm -hmm. that too? I would say, do you want me to cover that? I mean, I can, I can summarize the Hobbit. Well, so let's, let's go in chronological order. Uh, you know, I can summarize the three or, movies pretty well, quickly. So Isildur ends up, like, riding off with the ring. He doesn't throw it into Mount Doom. He gets ambushed. Uh, he gets killed. The ring falls into a river. And then these hobbits who are, like, outside of the Shire, mm -hmm. they come upon it. One of them ends up becoming Smeagol. Gollum. Gollum. Yeah, his name is Smeagol. He becomes Gollum. Um, and he hides with the ring, which gives him unnatural life for, like, a really long time. He's stumbled yep. upon by Bilbo while Bilbo's out on an adventure with some dwarves to help reclaim their kingdom. Bilbo was originally convinced into doing this by Gandalf, yes. right? Now, Gandalf has another name because as it would turn out, and Ian this McKellen. is another thing that I like about the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf's original name is Olinor, or Olorin. Sorry, Olorin. Okay. Olorin is a member of the Ainur. So he's a demigod. Oh, that explains a lot when it comes to Gandalf and coming yes. back. But what's really cool is they, like, in Lord of the Rings, they don't go over it. They're just like, they just like, they're like, nope. Huh. Like, Peter Jackson was basically like, do we explain all this to everybody? <laughs> and, because, <laughs> I mean, look at where we are right now in this podcast. Like, we're 43 minutes in, and we haven't even touched on the base plot of the Lord of the Rings. I've just been giving you the information that sets up the universe. <laughs> I didn't even know any of this, and I've, I've seen Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Well, because you don't need to know it to watch Lord of the Rings, but knowing it makes it an even better experience. So I'm really glad that I didn't watch any Lord of the Rings this week. Spoiler, even though you said I should, I didn't. Now, I did. I'm excited to... I'm going to see if Goose wants to, because Goose is a big fan of Lord of the Rings. I'm going to see if they want to watch Rings of Power and then yep. one, two, three. Here's the only thing I'll say about the Rings of Power. They effed up big time. Oh, In God. that, they they accelerated the plot too quickly, and now I think they're going to be playing Doctor with their own plot line for a while. I think mm. the, write, like, the writing was not that great, but some of the moments were really good. I highly recommend watching it just because it's like cool to watch anyway. But yeah. and it's um, six episodes right now, so I'm like, that's yeah, it's not bad. That's a breeze. It's really like I really enjoyed it. Uh, as someone who's like really into world building and Lord of the Rings, I'm like, I get why it was the way it was. I get some of the choices that were made, but definitely they could do better. Um, so anyway, getting back into laying the groundwork for this, Gandalf 
comes and shows up in the Shire and he's like, hey, Bilbo Baggins, you are going to come with us and you're a burglar now. And Bilbo Baggins is like, I don't like I don't want adventure. And Gandalf's (laughs) like, I know what's in your heart. You're coming with us. And (laughs) one of the things that I love, like I actually loved The Hobbit as a kid. There's a movie from 1987. The animated? It's, it's, or 19, is it 77? It might even be 77. I think it's 77. Because it looks very similar to the Star Wars Holiday Special Animation. Yeah. So, The Hobbit, one of my favorite things about the beginning of The Hobbit, and I remember loving this as a kid. Like, they basically, like, they sing the song. They're like, the greatest adventures are ready (laughs) to be told. Right? They're singing that song. And then. Sounds good. And then the like Bilbo walks outside and Gandalf just shows up and he's got like this really stern look on his face and he's like Bilbo Baggins you're coming on an adventure. I've got dwarves here. And the dwarves walk into his house and they're just like they're just like uh what do they say? They say like uh break break the glasses smash the plates that's what Bilbo Baggins hates. And they're not smashing <laughs> anything, but they're basically like yeah, we definitely don't want to ruin all this stuff that Bilbo Baggins loves. Let's uh, let's taunt him, though, before we go on this adventure. And then they go on these adventures. Turns out Bilbo is, for being a hobbit, he's, like, super subtle and goes unnoticed by many things. And I think Gandalf knows this about hobbits. I think he knows that they just kind of, like, existed, were uncorrupted. They subtly wove their way into, like, the story of Middle-earth And I think Gandalf knows, he's like, these are the people who will go unnoticed. These are the people who can remain true to their hearts and to the sense of like who they are and their friends and love and good things because they don't have a larger place. They have a subtle place in the universe. And that's where like, there's so many people that'll get caught up on the, why didn't they just fly with the fucking eagles? It's like, of course, they're not just going to fly with the eagles. You have to be subtle. Sauron's trying to be subversive so you have to subvert that and how do you or yeah and how do you do that you get something small that's hard to notice and then of course the thing that's small and hard to notice immediately puts the ring on even though you told it not to and then Sauron sees it and he's like go get him anyway (laughs) (laughs) exactly but so Bilbo ends up stumbling upon Smeagol uh Gollum at this point in his cave right and they have a game of riddles, which is like one of my favorite things ever. That they're basically just like, let's see who can outwit each other. And uh, Gollum's like, yeah, cool. If I win, I eat you. And Bilbo's like, cool. If I win, just show me the exit. And then Bilbo goes, <laughs> hey, what's this ring here? And Gollum, of course, like in his ancient age, has just misplaced it. But the the cool thing that's happening there is the ring has a will of its own, and it wanted out of that cave. And so Bilbo comes along and the ring's like, I'm going to get lost now because it, it's mm. like part of Sauron. So it's like, I'm going to get lost. And Gollum loses it. And then the ring like sparkles in the light. And that's kind of the ring going, I'm going to be found. And Bilbo picks it up and he puts it on and he turns invisible. And Go- like the ring like hides him from worldly view, but not from the gaze of like Sauron or evil, right? Because it's mm-hmm. been corrupted. It's influenced. It's like, yeah, it's a piece of evil. So Bilbo ends up escaping with the ring. He brings it back to the Shire. It's home in the Shire for a long time. And then Sauron's been away long enough and he's been able to kind of rebuild and influence things long enough that he starts like imposing things upon the world. And at this time, Gandalf, who was originally named Olorin, 
who was referred to as being like a friend of all when he first came down into middle earth um he shows up and he's like hey bilbo you still got that ring (laughs) and bilbo's like uh yeah somewhere i think maybe and bilbo's plan because he's been influenced by it over time long enough finally like it took it took almost a hundred years for the ring to like really negatively influence Bilbo. And then Bilbo's like, yeah, I think I got it somewhere. And Gandalf's like, yeah, maybe give that to me. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I can tell that you're being corrupted. Finally, it took a long time, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> and then he gets it, gives it to Frodo. And that starts the actual Lord of the Rings. Now we're already super far into this without even touching on the plot. So I'm going to say, let's do a part two where we <laughs> actually talk about Lord of the Rings next week. But I've got a couple other things that tie into it that might make your viewing of Lord of the Rings stuff more interesting this week. Okay. Does that sound good? Sure. Okay. Because this is where we are at this point. I was <laughs> like, let me do a 10-minute primer on Lord of the Rings. 40 minutes later. Yeah, I was going to say, you might be a little over your 10 you said so, five minutes originally too <laughs> well it's because i could what i have written down is only 10 minutes but we've like i've i've been answering questions and we're going on like an adventure now right we're we're on our own adventure we're on our yeah. own adventure uh so so bilbo's intent is to go off and write his book there and back again which is the plot of the hobbit now, the first book published by J.R.R. Tolkien was The Hobbit. He submitted it for publishing, and he had written the story, and he's like, hey, I feel like this could probably go somewhere. He was also prompted to publish it. Um, and it got published, and it was a huge hit. Nobody had ever read anything like this. Like People had read like some of the short stories that were about fairies and some of the like, folklore tales and like things like that. A lot of that had been around in Europe and England for a long time, but none of it had ever been published in a form that like took the, the shape and scope that The Hobbit did, especially with like a giant dragon battle at the end, which is actually a huge piece of German influence on this world, mm. right? So now we've got like Greek, Christian, Norse, German... Like, there's so many different things that have influenced this world and helped shape what eventually became the quintessential fantasy universe for other people to take influence from and build off of. I guess where I'm really going with this is, like, J.R.R. Tolkien is the godfather of modern fantasy. And that's why The Hobbit is so good. And then Peter Jackson did such a good job doing it justice. That's what makes those movies so good. Whether you're watching the original cut or not the brother you're watching, sorry, the theatrical cut or the director's cut, they're really good. And they do a good job of taking enough from the books without taking too much. Because if they had made all of the books into movies, there would have been six movies. You know what I'm saying? There's six books? No. There's enough oh. in the books to oh, make okay, six okay, okay. movies. Like there's You're not talking lot. about The Hobbit, though. You're talking about the uh, original movies. Because The Hobbit yes. movies are... The are... Hobbit movies should not have been three. Don't get me one. started. But that was also because Guillermo del Toro was supposed to do it, backed out, and they needed somebody to come in, and it was Peter Jackson, and it was like one of the worst things he's ever done because yes. it was a nightmare. Well, so, which it is was why a production nightmare because the company that was making it was like, you have to do three. And I think even Peter Jackson was like, ah, eh, we could do two. And they were yeah. like, nah, three. It's a they trilogy. Money it's grab. A, yeah, they want, well, they wanted it. I think, 
I think part money grab. I think also like when the Hobbit movies were being made, they had this idea that like it was going to be the successor trilogy to the Lord of the Rings. And they got my favorite actor for dialing it in, Martin Freeman. I love Martin Freeman. That's fine, but he's also not phenomenal in The Hobbit. <laughs> well, no, because I don't think he's used right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I don't think he felt used right. And I think he dialed it in. <laughs> I think he's just like, you know, where he was used correctly was freaking Fargo. That's like the one place where I'm like, yeah, that's Sherlock. That's the... Sherlock, he's good. Fargo, he's good. Sherlock season one. And part of season two, he's good. Fargo, he's good because it's only one season. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, perfect. Oh, my God, amazing. Black perfect. Panther? Black Panther? Our Air nope. Force pilot? Dialed it in. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Hobbit? Dialed it in. Here's the, here's the other thing. The Hobbit should have been two movies. All right. Now, now you got me going. Okay. Here's why The <laughs> oh, Hobbit should have been two movies. There's... <laughs> They, they tried to weave in, like, an elvish, dwarven love story to, like, kind of, like, get hint at, like, oh, maybe that's where Gimli comes from. But elves and dwarves were always friends and enemies at the same time. They also tried to weave in this whole thing about, like, the white dwarf, which was, like, relatively big in the Hobbit book, but not that big. And they tried to tie in Legolas, which they never should have. Yeah, and it was weird. No, yeah, it's fucking dumb. And I get it. Elves are relatively immortal. Sure. Fine. Who cares? Legolas shouldn't have been in it. Definitely shouldn't have. Nope, nope, nope. Because there's no moment in Lord of the Rings where Legolas is like, I was good I friends with Bilbo. Yeah. Well, uncle. Um, I thought that was Gimli's dad. Oh, sorry. No, Bill. Uh, I was talking about Bilbo. I mean, cause yeah, he literally uncle. fought with Gimli's dad and then has this rapport with Gimli and never mentions like, oh, by the yeah, way, I knew your like, dad. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, your dad it's and I stupid. had beers and sang songs together. It's stupid. <laughs> So, but here's the other reason why it should have been two movies. They get Benedict Cumberbatch to come in and be Smog. Oh, right? so good. And he's great. But they did – the in my mind, this is the one cardinal sin of uh, film or TV. Okay. If you call something something, the something you call it has to happen. Now, that might sound like a little bit of, like, confused uh, jargon, right? But if you name something a thing, the thing you name it must happen. Like, if a show is called Prison Break and they break out of prison, show over. The show is done. Oh, yeah. Okay. If a show is okay. called Lost and someone becomes unlost, the show is done. It's over <laughs> okay if yeah, you name a movie the desolation of smog and smog is neither desolated nor does he desolate anything it's a fucking farce it should never exist and they call it the desolation of smog and i gotta tell you i saw the first hobbit movie and i'm like okay cool i kind of like where this is going it's okay this is interesting fine I'll come in for the second one. I showed up for the second one and it got to the end of the fucking movie. And all that happens is smog kind of like rips apart the mountain a little bit, but then he's about to do the actual desolation, right? He's about to go and desolate a town and then mm -hmm. himself be desolated by an arrow. Yes. And he flies at the screen and says, I am death. And the movie fucking ends. And I was yes. like, and I've Odie, I'm not kidding you. I mm -hmm. stood up in a dark theater and, and yelled, what? 
Yeah. And then the third movie picks up with that, and then he's killed like 10 minutes in, and then the third movie just keeps going like it was never a thing. Because they called it the Battle of Five Armies, which is like which really is the peak. It's the peak. Well, no, there's five. It's well, the peak where's moment. Where's the fifth? Of uh, the Hobbit story. All right, ready? Let's break it down. We got dwarves. Yep. We got elves. Yep. We got men. Uh-huh. We got orcs, orcs and yeah. we've got eagles. Eagles the are the eagle- fifth. You just said that the eagles don't interfere, but now they have their they own army? They show up in the Battle of Five Armies, and they show up in the Hobbit books. And I remember that was my favorite part, even though it's like this old school animation. Like, I remember always getting to that part in the movie. Because the movie's like, the old movie's only like, mm, hour and a half, right? Hour 40, it's not that long. It's like an old kids movie, and the I remember Eagles watching. Actually, count. I'm good. Yes, they this. count. They are the fifth I army. I think it's another. I don't. Th- I think there's only four. Go ahead and look it up, man. What I know what it is. It's the Battle of Five Armies. armies. In... I'm pretty sure there's only four. Nope. It's definitely humans, elves, dwarves, orcs. You're wrong. You're wrong. What? What? How am According I wrong? According to Wait, that's too many W's. www.tolkiensociety.org. Okay. According to Beneath the Thunder, forging a battle of five armies on the oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, referred to men. Okay. Elves. Okay. Dwarves. Okay. The orcs of Dol Guldor. Dol Guldor. And the or and the orcs of Mount Gundabad. Oh. Interesting. Two orc armies. That's a cop out though, because if you're okay. watching that movie like I did, you only see four species. Okay. I think there's four armies. In, <laughs> Why did I say it like that? In the movie The Hobbit that I saw as a kid. <laughs> I'm waking up now, Kevin. The I'm Eagles are now. the last ones to show up, and they are the fifth army. Well, it feels like a cop out. It feels like there's four armies and then eagles. Well, there's a lot going on there. And I'm gonna say that the Eagles are the fifth army in my mind forever and ever because that's how it was I'm gonna agree with me. you. Okay, you know thanks. What? Make it. Ca- I'm gonna because I don't care enough about the orcs. Yeah. Let's okay. say Eagles. So that that all happens, and we're finally like after all of that, like basically the big <laughs> lesson is like, wow, I guess war's bad, which is like, yeah, it's funny that that's the final like lesson of the Hobbit, but like the dwar- like dwarves are dying in that movie you know and so in in the in the actual in the hobbit movies the battle of the five armies so dumb i i highly recommend people don't watch the hobbit movies and just watch the (laughs) old hobbit because it's fun and entertaining and simple and although it's like older and the animation isn't amazing or anything it's still cool and it was like a feat for its time and there's like a really nice soundtrack to it that has a very like classical renaissance feel and you get done with it quick and you get the idea of what happened and then when you watch Lord of the Rings, it pretty much picks up directly as a successor to that because the other Hobbit movies hadn't been made yet anyway. So, like, I think definitely watch the old Hobbit, then watch Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. And definitely, if it's your first time viewing, do not watch the extended version unless you're mm. ready to commit <laughs> because they are so fucking long. They really are. They are are. so fucking long. They're like four hours a piece. That's one of the versions that I've watched. So I've watched the original cut or the theatrical cut. Yes. And then a friend of mine back in high school was like, hey, 
do you want to watch all the director extended cuts of Lord of the Rings? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And then after the first one, I was like, what did I get myself into? You're like, we're and done. we watched them all. Yeah. No, we watched oh them God. all. And and it was good. I There's two things that I do love from Lord of the Rings that I watch sometimes on YouTube. I love the Battle of Helm's Deep. I two love towers. Legolas, okay. shield, shield surfing. Yep. And, and, and doing bow and arrow stuff. And throwing Gimli. And then, yeah, I do love that. I love right, the scene where you can't me. see Gimli's head. <laughs> toss me. I love the battle with the elephants and yep. Legolas sliding down the elephant's truck in Return of the King. I, oh, yeah. Legolas is my favorite character in Lord of the Rings. Oh, he's by great. By far. You know what I learned about Orlando Bloom that's crazy? Be? Do you what? know this about Orlando Bloom? Can can I can I say an Orlando Bloom fact since it's yeah, relevant? Yeah, Since we're not so, even talking about the first Lord of the Rings film anymore. Yes, let's just go. Let's just go. Perfect. Um, so... When he was cast in Lord of the Rings in, in what would have been like 1999, probably because the movie came out in 2001. Yep. He was fresh out of acting school. Okay. He wasn't even 30 years old. This okay. is what Orlando. See, people sleep on Orlando Bloom because you don't see him a lot anymore. You know what I mean? Like he's not. Oh, yeah. He's not a big name actor. But this is what this man did. He filmed Lord of the Rings one, yep. two, and three, the yep. three biggest movies, Oscar yep. nominated, phenomenal yep. part, new actor. Immediately goes into filming Pirates of the Caribbean 1, 2, 3. Which he's great in. He was in, at one point, I think when the third Pirates came out, he had been in, I want to say it was either four, I think it was four of the 15 highest grossing movies of all time. Dude. And he hadn't even been acting for 10 years. He's so That's great. That's crazy. He had the perfect look for it. And I got to say, honestly, him playing, uh, is it is it Billy Boots? Is it William? Is that his name? In Oh, in Will, Pirates oh, William of the Turner. Yeah, William, William Turner. Turner. It, him playing William Billy Turner. Boots. Right? Billy, Billy Boots is his dad, isn't it? Bootstrap Bill Turner is, is his dad. Sorry, Bootstrap Bill Turner. I'm a big Pirates Turner. of the Caribbean fan. Right, Billy I'm, Boots, I like whatever. Billy Boots. Billy his name's Boots. Billy Boots now. I'm Billy Boots the Pirate. <laughs> Billy bang, Boots. Bang, bang. <laughs> I'm just showing up as Billy Boots. <laughs> you know what Jesus. I was thinking of? You know what I was thinking of? Muppet what? Treasure Island. There's a character... Uh, named Blind Pew, who shows up at the very beginning of the film. This is totally, we're off the rails now. There's a character showed up who shows up in Muppet Treasure Island, which is like what, my favorite Muppet movie. And he slams open the door. He has two eye patches on. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, Billy Bones. Where are you, Billy Bones? It is I, Blind Pew. <laughs> like, it's a whole fucking thing. Don't even get me going. All right. So Bootstrap Bill and William Turner, his son. Great. Yes. B Billy Billy Turner. Uh, no, <laughs> Orlando Bloom's great. Yeah, and, he's amazing. And him doing such a good job as Legolas catapulted his career because he, he was good off the rip. And you know what's great? This is like a film with Viggo Mortensen before Viggo Mortensen. Oh. Like this film launched the career of the people, of so many people in it. And I feel like Peter Jackson... We we definitely have to do a part two on this, but like, <laughs> let's we're we have to actually talk Lord of the Rings next week. But okay, fair. Peter Jackson did such a good job casting the like legends of acting as older characters in this. Yeah, film. like Ian McKellen, right? Ian McKellen gets an older character. He's Gandalf, who, as it would turn out, is a fucking demigod, yep. right? Christopher he, Lee. Yep. And then freaking uh, Christopher Lee, Kate Blanchett, even at that time, oh, yeah, was a little yeah. bit older. 
uh, yeah, Christopher Lee Saruman is so great. Jonathan Reese Davies as Gimli, like he took he took a lot of people. Ian Holm as Bilbo Baggins, like he that's took the people, guy I was thinking of. I was yes. like, who's the guy that played Bilbo? Yeah, he took people who were well known and made them like these famous characters that people like really reference who were like hardcore Tolkien nerds. And then he took Elijah Wood, and he took Viggo Mortensen. And he was like, you're going to be and, – and Orlando Bloom. And he was like, you guys are going to be, like, part of this, like, hardcore fellowship, though. Even even Dominic Monaghan, who plays mm. Mary. Yeah. Mary Brandybrook – or Brandy – sorry, Brandy Buck. And then um, who's the guy who plays Pippin? Where is he? Um, uh, Bill, Billy Boyd, who plays Pippin. And then yeah. Liv Tyler's in it. I mean, she's she just does a great job as Arwen, though. And then uh, Andy Serkis. Even Andy Circus, who's oh, in the film, dude, and don't then we started. We could do. I could do a whole episode on how dude, much I love Andy Circus. He's still phenomenal, right? And he's he incredible. started as Gollum because he did such a good job. And then even Sean Bean, right? Sean Bean's amazing. Oh, he's Barmir. Yeah, right. He's, he's good. Yeah. So, like Peter Jackson took this piece, to, and and this is where I was kind of going like twenty minutes ago. Peter Jackson <laughs> took this piece of uh J.R.R. Tolkien's universe and crafted a masterpiece around it here's the coolest part about Tolkien and where like my love for him kind of outshines my love of like the movies or even the books like I I actually like Tolkien more than I like what he made because of how he approached things and like like the way that his his publishing career kind of took shape you know like so like going back to Tolkien he he's making his own languages as a kid he studies abroad he's like well informed he goes on crazy trips to like Sweden and like he really loves it and it influences like his stories and he starts crafting this universe the whole time he's crafting this universe and then he releases the Hobbit it's great success and then they come back to him and they're like do you have anything else and Tolkien hands them the Silmarillion now the Silmarillion is the world building bible for this mm. like everything that i talked about in the beginning where i tried to summarize it all in 10 minutes that's the silmarillion and there's so much more to it and there's all these stories that he had been writing and he goes to this publisher that's like yeah the hobbit was a great kids book what can we do next and he goes here you go and he basically hands them the bible like he's like <laughs> he's like here you go it's the story of the whole universe that the hobbit's in and they're like what the f dude we can't publish this for kids I don't even know what's going on in this because if you read, it's written in classical Anglican prose, which has like, it's in relatively modern English, but there's a lot of classical po poetic prose to it. So like the language gets very confusing because it's dense, dense, dense metaphor. Like the metaphor hmm. just expounds everything in there. And ultimately they're like, we can't, do this you have to do something else so then he's like okay well i guess i'll write the lord of the rings and that's that's where the lord of the rings came from him publishing the hobbit having great success his publisher's like what else do you got and he's like uh the book that contains the entire universe and they're like no 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 no, calm down and then he goes all right i guess i'll write uh i guess i'll write the fellowship of the ring and he's like, and they're like, cool. Is there going to be another one? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. So then he writes The Two Towers. 
And they're like, cool. Uh, it doesn't stop there, right? And he's like, yeah, no, 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 no. I got it. I got it mapped out. We're we're good. And then he he writes Return of the King. It's a fucking grand slam, and fantasy like really gets reinvigorated as a genre because it existed before in our culture, but not to the scale at which it did after Lord of the Rings was published. Because Lord of the Rings was like the mature adult component that partnered with the hobbit it was the successor book like and it really 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 drove fantasy into the hearts of so many people who didn't even know that it could take that form in a book before and that's why i love tolkien that's why he gets so much credit a lot of people are like why do people love tolkien so much it's like well i don't know maybe because he crafted his own fucking language and built a universe the likes of which no one had ever seen before and it changed the way that fiction functioned after he existed Maybe that's why. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, I'm trying to think of, like, two other like two other big franchises that, like, have a creator behind them. Like, I'll, the first one that comes to mind is George Lucas and Star Wars. But as much as I like George Lucas, well... <laughs> also influenced influenced by um, freaking uh, Herbert and Tolkien. Big time. Yeah, and the thing with George Lucas is, is like, yes, he created the first Star Wars. Yep. And he likes to say that he had it all mapped out. But yep. let's be honest, he probably didn't. No. He also had people that came in, like Dave Filoni and stuff, that really like really flushed out some of the things in between what George Lucas has done. So, yes, George Lucas created Star Wars, but why Star Wars is what it is today is because of other people, including George Lucas, and then even Her- even Harry Potter, right? Like uh, J.K. T- Rowling, right? Once he, again, influenced by Harry- fantasy. Yep, and she created Harry Potter, and I mean, obviously, she created the universe. But if you look at some of the things that she did with um, the book, the creatures, they're in the they're in the case, the creatures in the case, and you don't want to let them yeah. out. What what is that called? Uh, Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic. And where they yeah. go? Yeah. A lot of that, if you, I don't know if you've noticed this, but fans would say things to her like on Twitter, and like post about it and be like, yeah. I wonder if like this is true, and she'd be like, It is true. Like Gandalf being gay and stuff. Like those are all. Yeah, he clearly is like just changing things on a whim. You know you what said I mean? Gandalf. Of... You mean um, uh, the guy from Hogwarts, not Gandalf. Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Thank you. <laughs> Did I say Gandalf? Um, yeah, you said Gandalf. Anyways, um, you get my point. Is yeah. that I feel like yes, these people created other worlds, but to the degree that someone like J.R.R. Tolkien did. I don't think they put as much planning into it as he did. Is what they, I'm getting at. They're reinventing a similar wheel, you know. Yes. Um, even and I'm not George, saying that those the franchises even, are bad. Don't well, get me no, wrong. no, no. They're great. They're great in their own respect. It's just the influence that he had, the impact that he had on literature and on fantasy as a genre is sti- it still echoes. You know, even um, even um, Game of Thrones. You know, even the Game oh, yeah. of Thrones series that George R. R. Martin wrote is heavily influenced by J.R.R. Tolkien. It's actually in response to, because George R.R. Martin didn't necessarily, like, as he got older, he was like, oh, I don't necessarily like that there's a happy ending (laughs) to the universe. He's like, maybe it doesn't always end happy, and that's pretty much, like, the entire idea of Game of Thrones is, like, relatively influenced by history in the real world, still kind of, like, a crazy epic fantasy adventure like Tolkien had, but also maybe not a happy ending. Um... All right. Anyway, I am being summoned by two girls to bring them to Six Flags. <laughs> Six Flags. Yep. There. Uh, we have Great Escape. It's like right in my backyard. The the theme park. 
Oh, okay. Yep. So they're going to Six Flags uh, to go and hang out, and they have season passes, and I need to take them there because they open at 11. So, Odie, <laughs> what have you been listening to? <laughs> what have you been watching? Oh, okay. Hard pivot. Let me think. Um, so unlike my previous weeks, I have not been watching a lot. Uh, yep. I took a break from watching like dad movies and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I got an early birthday present of a Switch, a Nintendo Switch with uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Yep. So honestly, this week, I did two things I'm really, really enjoying. I played some Tears of the Kingdom before bed, like maybe an hour, hour and a half before bed. But mostly what I did this week was try out new albums. And oh, I would cool. sit on my balcony and like script write and like map out my, my client work and things like that. And just I really listened to a lot of music this week Um, and the one that I really want to suggest because some of the albums are like pretty mainstream it's not like I was you know listening to a lot of new stuff but yeah um, there is a specific artist that uh, has four albums out three of which I think are true masterpieces Uh, his name is Noah Khan Mm -hmm. he has a new album called stick season that has a deluxe version coming out on June 9th with an additional seven songs if you like music that is written from experience and somebody that has really gone through some stuff and comes from a a different background and you kind of like the mountainy not necessarily country but like more folk music not and i say folk but i don't know if that's really what you would call it interesting but it's it's very like he's got a he wrote a song called orange juice about two friends that went through a really traumatic event and then instead of that bringing them together it's about how they drifted apart and then later in life they come back together. He's got a song about how his dad like basically gave up on his family. He's got a song about how he loves where he's from, but like it's really just like a touristy town in Vermont. Like oh, damn. all of his songs are like he's got my favorite song. If you're gonna listen to any song from him, he's got two songs that I would recommend. One is on his uh, earlier album, it's called False Confidence. It is okay. absolutely incredible. And then if you were going to listen to another song, I would listen to the song uh, Homesick or the song The View Between the Villages. That is about returning to your hometown after being gone for so long and like how it makes you feel and like all the memories that are tied to your hometown. Like what's it go? What's it like to go back to visit? And as somebody who has two hometowns, it's quite an interesting song. So, okay, Noah, Noah Khan is I will. I'm honestly considering making a whole YouTube video about how much I love this man. He His you music should. has completely changed a lot for me. It's like, it's so emotionally impactful yeah. that it is, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's literally fucking incredible. Like he is by far my favorite art. Like he took my favorite artist spot and just elevated it. Like, dude, I'm in love with this man. He's only 26. He's so successful. He's so down to earth. He is, I love okay. him. Okay. And that's what I basically did. That sounds good. I'm I'm definitely gonna listen to that right now as I drive over to Six Six Flags. Um, that's cool. I finished Succession. Big recommend. Yes. I will not say anything other than I recommend it. It was relatively a perfect show. It was pretty Mm, much. I gotta get on. Fucking perfect. Yeah. Like end to end, absolutely amazing. Top ten. Love it. Um, and then this week I actually this popped up randomly for me. Uh, which happens every once in a while. I was listening to a lot of like Latin music in the beginning of the week, but then Casey's new album, K A Y C Y Y, Casey. Oh. Uh, T W two o twenty fifty two is super good. Really low key R and B, 
really sensual, just like downshifted my entire vibe at the end of the week in a good way. Really enjoyed that this weekend. I've been kind of jamming it like every free moment that I get. Big recommendation. I actually really love Ashley's Heartbeat. Um, I'm going to download this album right now. Yeah. The, uh, they, this album was made with uh, Gis Offelstein, who's such a great uh, oh. w- such a great DJ, really, honestly. And then I really loved uh, listening to The Sun. The Sun's really good, too. Mm. Um, but that's that's pretty much it for me. I've had a relatively busy week, and then I was yeah. prepping <laughs> to try and summarize The Silmarillion into 10 minutes, and I did a great job with it. I mean, we really covered all Lord of the Rings today. <laughs> We did. We, we did such I a good Star job. Wars references in there, so that's all uh, that matters. Perfect. Um, are are you Enjoy. actually are you gonna watch Lord of the Rings this week? Well, okay. So real quick, I wanted to ask you. Well, let's wrap this up, and then I'll ask you. Um, okay. How yeah. are we wrapping it up this week? Uh, great job summarizing Lord of the Rings. I'm glad we covered everything. Whoever listened to this, I hope that you're well informed. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's so much. We we could have probably gone another hour. But oh, easily. Is it, yeah, like I, I could keep going because I didn't I didn't realize it until I told you that I wanted to talk about it. I was like, oh, shit, I really actually do just love Tolkien. Um, yeah. yeah. Good so, job. yeah, let's uh, for part two. Yeah, let's do part two this week and okay. uh, we'll actually cover Lord of the Rings. The the let's since we covered all of the stuff that goes through it. Are you cool like doing each of the movies? Yeah. All at once? Let's do it. All right. Let's fucking do it, man. It's going to be a journey for Odie and Kev. <laughs> you don't know that you love it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Bye, <Goodbye>. everybody. <laughs>